Hey, how's it going, Shannon? Great, Quanchai. Great to see you. Welcome back. It's been a little bit, hasn't I it? I know, and we're actually doing this episode together in person. Yes, in person. It's, it's exciting. been a while. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't been. I haven't seen you in like, uh, like a month or so. It's oh my god, Two it months? has been a month. That's a long time for but us. But also, just side note for everybody, we are being super COVID safe. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that is important. We yeah. have both quarantined for the last couple weeks. So, yeah. we did this responsibly. Yeah. And we're in the same pod, shall we say. Same pod. So. Like, what What do you call that? Your safety group? Sure. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Your consent group, I think, is what we should call it. Our consensual group. Yeah, consensual group. So, yeah, we're here back at Book Club Podcast. Book Club. Book Club. And, um, yeah, it's been a bit. I mean, there's been some stuff going on in the world. Yeah. Um, in our particular neck of the woods, there's wildfires that i can see from my backyard um kind of crazy you moved i did move uh covid's still around covid it's it's uh, we're still in a pandemic yeah yeah and i was in chicago for a month so so yeah it's been a little wild been some stuff yeah, yeah. so we definitely missed our episode two launch date which was mm-hmm. supposed to be on tuesday of um this past week but yeah. we're back now we're back and uh you know i think it's a this whole process for me, also, this process for me has been sort of an exercise in radical, you know, relationship strengthening across, you know, all these pandemics and mm-hmm. all this stuff as a way to sort of be together. I mean, we're actually together in the same yeah, which is room really right nice. now, but, you know, as an exercise sort of in, in strengthening bonds amidst a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it we're going to run into challenges. And yeah, that, that's, for sure. That's part of it. But we are committed um, to, you know following a certain cadence which is every other week yeah so i think at this point it's like you know we will release or we are releasing on tuesday as you guys just a week late and then uh we'll follow the regular cadence from here on out and and hopefully you'll y'all will tune in oh my god i can't talk it's because it's sunday late at night and we've we've gone into a bottle of rosé it's also because you're so moved by our book can't hurt me by david goggins david goggins can't hurt me um so if you have been following along and you have caught up with us on episode one then you'll know that we have read chapters one through six of can't hurt me by david goggins and we're gonna go ahead and run through the entire book um as in one through six. One through six. And kind of discuss what we've learned and, and what we've taken away. And because this is the book club for anybody and everybody, especially those of you who, like we are very familiar with, are, are just, you know, those funny readers who tends to, you know, to collect a ton of books and never really finishes them. This is this is the place for you. Yeah. yeah books are for everyone. We still want to take away as, as much as we can, and we want to share that with you and also have a little fun. Yeah. So um, David Goggins... As we've learned, this is his sort of like autobiography as well as a self-help book even. Yeah, motivational. Yeah, yeah, like a motivational autobiography. He yeah. is a paid motivational speaker. I can see why. Honestly, like his 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 writing, his prose mm-hmm. or whatever, it feels like it belongs in a in a speaking, you know, it's like much better if I imagine him speaking the words as opposed to reading it as if it's written for me, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's written like a speech, a story. It is. I feel like he's screaming in my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we had to like break it down, like quick snapshot, quick snapshot. What did you think of the book so far? 
Okay, so chapters one through six really are delving back into his childhood. Mm -hmm. Chapter one, especially um, going through his experience with his father, and then coming Tries up to his um, his experience in the in the Marines. Nope, the nope. Navy SEALs. Sorry. Oh man, big difference. Yeah, yeah. huge. Navy SEALs. Um, and uh, and also starts going into his ultra marathon running, mm -hmm. uh, which is I assume is like a big part of the second half of the book. TBD, right? We've we've only just hit the beginning. Who knows? But it's a lot of um, him going line by line, explaining his exact experiences in a lot of traumatic things, both both in his family mm -hmm. and also uh, in his uh, Bud Seal training. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I, as a snapshot, I feel like it was very intense. I feel like there was a lot of extra words, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of things that were trying to hammer a point home that I got really quickly, mostly because his life is way more extreme than mine, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so any of his points, they land quite hard. They're screaming at you. Yeah. Um, so when he hammers them home over and over and over again, that's why I say as a speech, I get like that's the cadence of the way you tell a story and, and, right. and relate, uh, uh, you know, some, some major points. But in the book, I was just like, oh, my God. This is so intense, one intense thing to another. It is. I mean, his life has been really intense as well. And I think that's something to note. But for me, even just like starting this book and, and kind of digging deep into my own, you know, history and upbringing similar to yours. Mm -hmm. It was like he starts off so intense. It, he starts with a warning order, first yeah. of all, which comes before the intro. Yeah. And in that warning order, it's like. You know, get ready. It's going to hurt. And when I read that, I was like, ah, man. Yeah. Why does growth always have to hurt? Yeah, <laughs> but, sure. But it makes sense because I think, you know, being at the stage of life we are now, growth usually comes through challenges. But I think I always have like a resistance personally whenever. So we grew up in a church, right? Just to explain for, for all of our listeners here. We grew up in a church where we learned living for the sake of others taking suffering and um, really holding on to suffering and being able to use suffering as a way to be closer to God. Mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, it, not necessarily a bad thing, but without the balance of learning how to really take care of ourselves in that process and knowing what the boundaries of, you know, pain is. Yeah. I think we created some pretty unhealthy habits. So when yeah. I read this initially, I was like, I'm not into it. Mm -hmm. I've done this Same. my whole life. Yeah. I, I've i moved away from a church that was really difficult for me to do. So that was actually my initial thought. And I was like, okay, I have to keep my mind open because I have a podcast to run here. So I got to read this. Yeah. Come on, sister. Yeah. No, I, I mean, just for clarification, it, we grew up in a church that was hyper conservative, um, sort of new agey 70s um, offshoot of Christianity that was... You know, in uh, my opinion, in our opinion, uh, not a great thing. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, had a lot of had a lot of ways in which uh, that hyper conservatism, um, very um, narrow a narrow path that we had to walk as kids. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of echoes in adulthood that are you know hard to deal with and, yeah. and issues come. So, yeah, when I read this stuff, uh, especially about. The idea of just pushing and pushing and mm -hmm. pushing, faking it till you're making it, that kind mm -hmm. of um, idea, it feels um, like 
part of an earlier me that I don't uh, associate with anymore. Same. I mean, Julian um, had a good point uh, when we discussed a little earlier talking about how like that's really good for sports. Mm-hmm. And Julian, by the way, is is my fiance. Just as a reminder, Julian and a very very good friend of mine. Um, he's all right. We're he's fine. We're okay, he's fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it. That is a good place for it. Sports and athletic, athletic prowess in general. I mean, Julian also gobbles this shit up. Yeah, he likes that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he totally yeah. loves this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But yeah, for me, I just uh, I have this bone in me that just rejects whenever anyone wants to push me. <laughs> That doesn't sound good. That sounds lazy. (laughs) I mean, I totally get what you're saying because David Goggins, so in this book, he really starts with this intro where it's just like, get uncomfortable and suffer and it's going to hurt and all these different words where you're just like, whoa, we're going to experience a metaphor, metamorphosis. And by using sort of like the pain you've had in your life uh, and, and that's, you know, and he he also says it, but it's hard to dredge up. Yeah. So for us, I think there's like a, a duality to it where it's like hard to dress, uh, you know, um, bring up those difficult past sort of experiences we've had, mm-hmm. but also just to like have the church mentality behind us being like, okay, we have to open our minds because I think struggle is a universal truth in, in how humans are able to grow. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, we're we're not even at chapter one. We're just well. Let's about- uh, let's let's talk about okay. So one thing I did want to talk about, which I'd mentioned to you, is sure. talking about my own personal goals. Not a huge diatribe on on you know endlessly about what I'm trying to do, but I did have some goals for this podcast on a personal level. Okay, I think it'd be good to also mention like just who we are, just in case listeners. Yeah. You know, this is the first episode for some listeners, and then also let's let's we did kind of recap the book, but you know, as we go through the chapters, I guess we can just sort of kind of recap what 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 was read totally. objectively. I'm with you. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll start. Go for it. My name is Quanchai Moria. I am Quan an illustrator, um, mostly in board games. At this point, it's like 90% of my... I'm a freelance illustrator, so 90% of my gigs are in board games. And I've had the very... The gracious luck of being very, very employed over the last few years. Um, I love board games, so that's also a, a big plus. Um, what are some board games uh, people can check out? Well, it's sort of, you know, it's very much more a, it's it's like the hobby game market. So it's not necessarily a game you can go buy at Target. Although I do have two games that I've illustrated that are at Target right now. What? One is called The Game. It's a card game. It's in a little magenta box. So and literally. the other one is called uh, Last... Oh my God! Last Defense. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Funko Games. It's being published by Funko Games. Mm-hmm. Just came out. Um, Love and, Funko. Uh, it's an they have a great team. Family strategy game. But yeah, I've, I've, I think Board Game Geek currently has me at like eighty-eight board games illustrated. So it's okay. You can say it. You're famous. I'm. I, I would say I'm famous, <laughs> but in an extremely niche way that is awesome because like what cooler way could you be famous in a, in a very niche way that right. only people who are really looking for that would ever go you know would know an illustrator of a board game so but I'm, I mean, I'm very happy i have to say as a friend i'm very proud of you and i'm very like always in awe of of the work that you do and then as a fan i'm always like oh my god <laughs> i'm friends with the famous Quanchai moriah oh thank you i appreciate it <laughs> yeah I, I i so i i and I've known Shannon for quite a while, as we mm-hmm. spoke about in our first episode. This is like, 
I've known you since you were like 16, since I was like 20, I would say 20, I was 16, 19. Yeah. So it's over, over a decade. Yeah. Not decades. Come since on. I've, since I've lived in California anyway. Decades is too much. I got off the plane in California and there you were like just walking past. Awaiting you in the Uncle Mike's, broke you know, on your ear. RV. Yes. <laughs> and then I, and we've luckily lived around each other since then. Yeah. That's actually like, quite that's, coincidental. We, yeah. we grew up in the Bay area in California or I did. And then Quan Chai moved over and then, um, who moved to LA first? I think you did. I did, but you lived in LA at some point. Right. Moved to the Bay. And then I, I came back to go came to school. Back, yeah. And, and then, then Julian roped you. Hacha. Ball and chain, man. <laughs> Ball and chain. <laughs> Roped you good. Oh man, he is gonna listen to this. He's probably gonna <laughs> laugh though. Um, but yeah, I, I and this podcast on a personal level is um, again sort of like a, an experiment in keeping for me personally keeping bonds amidst a pandemic mm-hmm. um, in a time when we are really pulled apart socially in in a in a in a face to face kind of way. Yeah, um, and also a way to like sort of. Uh, like take the friendship and just like put a sticker sticker it on something and see what happens mm-hmm. you know um and in this case it's books but it's really about knowledge and seeking knowledge absolutely and I just seeing that. like what comes out of your beautiful face you know <laughs> what what words will spill forth this face is currently in a closet <laughs> <laughs> yeah you are you have like a literally in a closet you have like a fur something a fur coat to the left of you and a north face jacket this is what we right have to do you. to get the right sound man yeah because well yeah. your new space that you're in is very echoey because there's not a lot there is stuff on the walls but there yeah. is more to be added including my forged art including your forged i want to talk about that. oh my god not forged <laughs> i liked your art it's very beautiful thank you so much i i love that goal i i think it's great to share goals so that um, for those following along with us, you kind of know where we stand and, and yeah. get to know us as individuals, too. And um, to just share a little bit about myself, and I know there is yeah. an Instagram post about it as well, but I come from the corporate side of things. I was in marketing for a long time, working in the entertainment side. I actually did some consumer products where I also have some experience working with um, the Funko team. And um, and then I moved out of entertainment and, and well, actually, no, I'm sorry, I moved sort of I guess practices and I went into more of the human resources field and so I'm not quite HR but you know before I dive into all of that it it was a challenge to kind of change careers and I think I I am able to relate to a lot of folks on that who feel kind of stuck and and so it's a passion of mine to be able to speak to people about career and and changing things up because I, I really get what that's like and what how that feels and sort of the confusion around, yeah. you know, changing industry or, or just even specific discipline. And so um, after entertainment, I, I've had some experience in startups, um, wild, wild startups, and then um, kind of back into an entertainment-y sort of um, beverage industry. So <laughs> without giving away too much, just because, <laughs> you know, we are speaking as on behalf of ourselves, yeah, not right. not on behalf of yeah. um, anyone we have worked for or do work with. Yeah. So that's something to be very clear about. But my goal for this was, one, I just really wanted to do a podcast with you. And I know yeah. we talked to you about in the first episode. And then two, you know, I've always felt like I wanted to do something um, that pushed me. Oh, God, David Goggins. Just came back. <laughs> Go right back, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but something that pushed me, especially like with reading, I feel like it's so important to 
to read because it opens our mind, especially in recent, you know, months. We've really been, you know, we've had no choice but to open our eyes to a lot of things um, in the world that's happening right now. And so that I'm not beating around around the bush, we're talking about BLM. We are talking about climate change you know Mm -hmm. we're talking about a lot of big things happening and it's really important to to educate ourselves but also gain different perspectives because how can we really be a community of understanding and supported growth without that so Mm -hmm. regardless of what we read i think it's great to kind of expand our minds and and so reading is a one way to do that and i'm a horrible commitment sort of gal so i never finish a book um so this is sort of that opportunity and and also just to get a little bit creative and have fun doing this yeah totally and i'm doing my best not to say the words do i like the book or not mm-hmm. i don't know that's just for me as a personal goal like i'm trying to not think like do i like this or do i not do i not like this man i'm so judgy i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do no, that no no I, I, I will be judgy because that's just <laughs> part of who i am but you know here's a guy who put something out in the world and right. i want to just Eat it up for what it is. I don't want to poo-poo on anything. Right. And I want to, at the other end of it, whether there's some, um, you know, personal dislike or like of a thing, maybe that's like a second read of it. Right. But I'm doing my best to just eat it up for what it is because I feel like, here's a guy who did something, right? Right. And um, and I didn't do that thing. So what can I learn? What can I gain? Or what, what feeling does it like stir up in me? And I hope that's true, whether it's an autobiography or if it's a, f- a fiction novel or a short story or whatever we delve into, I want to have that attitude as much as possible. I think personally, on a personal level, I'm really searching for like a hometown. I know that sounds cheesy, but like par- part of my struggle in all this stuff that's going on in the world is feeling like where's home? Hmm. Where are the heroes? You know? Right. Um, and I feel like I've lost so much of that. And um and I'd like to believe in things uh, on a personal level. Just feel like I can um, look up, look up at something, and be like, "That's a good thing," you know? Yeah. Um, Especially today, we need a little bit of. I think maybe the word is hope. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like almost scared to say the word hope because I feel like I don't care about that word at all. That little, like I'm in a place dark. where I need to like yeah, yeah like <laughs> you know if there's a thing I I'm a, I think I'm a really relatively cheerful person. Yeah, but I agree. I feel like in terms of my personal hope, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to claw back onto the cliff like I'm already off the cliff. In a way, you right. know, I'm being very dramatic, but you know. No, I I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially today. Mm-hmm. Um with everything that's happening, it's and the social media consumption. Didn't we talk about this today? What's doom, it called? Doom scrolling. doom scrolling. I think it was on an NPR podcast. And I they call it doom scrolling where you scroll through your social media and it's all just like awful yeah. things. And it just <laughs> you just leave after 20 minutes of it. You just leave uh, sad and, and depressed, depressed, hopeless. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Jules so, and I have gotten so many arguments about doom scrolling. Where oh, we're like, oh, yeah. that's enough of that, man. Yeah. That's enough of that because it just... It's too much. Yeah, and that's why books are great. I've been reading this book, and I've also been reading um, Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Oh, my God. You are cheating and a couple on of books. Book Club. Well, there's a couple of the books that I've I've sort of, like, dipping into. Um, okay. Slutty. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about them another time, but I'm reading three you other totally books. You totally missed me calling you a slut. <laughs> a slut? You called me a <laughs> Your slut? Your book slut. How dare you. <laughs> I am cheating on, on David Goggins at the current moment, but mm. it's good. The more I can... To cheat, the more cheating mm-hmm. I do, the better Culture everybody become. will be infected by my thinking. Like an STD. Like an STD, yeah. Exactly. I see what you're saying. 
I get it. Well, shall we dive into the book? Let's dive into it. That's okay. Good. Yeah. So let's do it. So chapter one, um, I think the cadence that we talked about throughout this whole podcast and in, in breaking down the book itself is we're just going to run through the chapters and we'll probably go on long tangents and whatnot, but enjoy it. This is what yeah. book why are, is. Why else are you listening to us? Are if you, you don't drinking hear... rosé? Because we are. <laughs> why would you want to listen to us except for to hear all of the amazing stories <laughs> and the wealth of knowledge that pours out of our lips let me tell you about the time i did not go to the navy seals <laughs> <laughs> oh my god could you imagine Mm-mm. anyway okay so chapter one um we are starting so chapter one is called i should have been a statistic mm-hmm. now diving into this chapter we learn about david goggins um and his family upbringing yeah and his primarily framed through experience with his dad exactly trunnus yeah I think I'm saying that right. Trunus. Yeah. Trunus. Yeah. And his dad, um, to put it as softly as possible, is a total dipshit dickhead kind of asshole. Yeah, like a selfish dude. I think that was soft. Mon- money yeah. driven and abusive to his family. Extremely abusive. Yeah, especially his wife. His and I, and that's mom. really what the title is about, is I should have been a statistic, because in a lot of abusive homes, it can lead eventually to a death of a person. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what he's referring to, is he, he should have been a statistic. And I think even more so, um, to be quite just in, in reading it, and of course I'm not in that situation, is his mother. Yeah. Um, his mother is a, a huge player in this entire chapter as well. And I think throughout his life even. Um, but she meets Trunus when she's 19 years old. Um, and he manipulates her essentially and, yeah. and never marries her, but starts a family with her and has her totally reliant on him mm-hmm. and forces the kids to work as well. So it's, um, it is... You know David Goggins and his older brother, mm-hmm. and David Goggins at six year old at six years old is working at what is it a skate rink? A roller skating a rink. Roller yeah. skating the rink. business that his dad uh, owned. Right. Yeah. Started so and owned. Six years old, working until six a.m. Yeah. Um, and, and running that skate rink. Yeah, and there's a lot of little bits in there. You know, we don't have to go into every little detail, but a lot of bits about his dad's infidelity in front of mm-hmm. his own mom, um, violence uh, towards his mom in front of him and his brother. Um, and you know, uh, I don't know, all kinds of awful things, um, quite intense. Yeah. It's a very intense childhood. What we really take away from it is the suffering that was endured by young David Goggins, as well as his um, mother and, and elder brother who has a different relationship because I think as the elder son, um, was treated a little bit better. But David Goggins at such a young age is so aware of what's going on. And Mm -hmm. he even talks about that. He says there's something very like, I forget the exact wording. It's something very pure about someone when you're really young. You you, just know it's wrong. You just know. Yeah. Yeah, You just know when something's wrong. Which I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like a lot of adults might think, ah, they're kids. They don't know. But I was thinking about my own experiences with... You know, my mom and dad are a little bit crazy. Uh, my mom especially, you know, can be a little... Okay. Yeah, I have a lot of experiences where she was just, like, dealing with three kids and intense and aggressive and over-disciplinarian and, and just a little bit nuts um, at times. And I remember that. And I was, mm-hmm. like, six or seven, you know, so... Yeah. I mean, there's always... I, I just... I I really think, like, there are times when you're as a little kid, like, you just feel it in your gut. Yeah. And then as you get older, things get muddied, right? There's suddenly like this gray that exists. Yeah. 
And sometimes that gray is more on the bad side, but it's bad for good. Yeah. It just it's it just gets really muddy. So I, I definitely understand what he's saying there and, and how he kind of, you know, with his mother escapes. Um, and really, too, I want to say so I have this big belief um, in life. And that is that there are certain people in your life that I call your angels. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, um, his mother has a neighbor named Betty. Yeah. Helps him escape. And exactly. And Betty helps them escape. Really helps um, his mom hatch out a plan and hides them. Mm -hmm. um, And really kind of calms his mother as well as she runs into obstacles. Because Mm -hmm. she puts a brave face when she, like, leaves, right? And she's able to take her sons with her. But then when she runs into her first obstacle, I think her car broke down or something. That's right. Totally freaks out. Which is... Which was written it says like when she faced her first obstacle that's when everything broke and that's how people are and i think it was tell i mean she turns to her kids and says what do i do oh yeah i was like that's right oh jesus and he's the one to go like we gotta leave yeah oh my god eight years old poor mom and kids to see your mom in such a fragile state Mm -hmm. it's like heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking and and you have betty who she calls on the road and betty figures out what motel to go to yeah. where to get her car fixed yeah. and and just ensures that they get out and I, I think for me actually that was super impactful because in my own life um my mother is divorced and i mean 50 percent plus of america right yeah and my my dad bless his soul i love him but he he left my mom when she was pregnant and um, had already had me and she was left with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, she was from Japan, um, didn't have a driver's license. And yeah. so my grandpa came into the picture. Now, this is a man who is not related to me by blood, but is a good friend of my father and mother. And um, he was in the hospital and he ended up moving into our apartment um, during that time because he needed someone to like help care for him during that time. Mm-hmm. And so when my dad left, my grandpa was still there. And mm-hmm. he actually became this huge figure in my life, yeah. in my family's life. And so when I read about Betty, I was so deeply moved because I felt like my grandpa saved my mother. He helped her get mm-hmm. her driver's license. And he raised my brother and I when, you know, my mother had to work all the time. Yeah. So I was so, I, I just felt like, okay, Betty is an angel. She yeah. didn't just save the mm-hmm. mother she saved david as well mm-hmm. because as we learn his elder brother actually ends up going, going back, back to trunus yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was just a personal anecdote yeah that particular scene and a couple of those scenes in chapter two mm-hmm. as as david goggins is relating them you could really feel the emotions of the moment you yeah know? um his mom and this woman like who must have been like I mean, the, the the emotions must have been like white hot, you know, of mm-hmm. like fear and and intensity because you're talking about maybe someone getting killed, you mm-hmm. know, or someone getting beat so hard, you know. I mean, you're talking about years of yes. abuse, yeah, and and mental sort of you're just fucked up mentally. I yeah. mean, and for her to escape, God, wouldn't you love to read the mother's story? Yeah, you know. So one thing that I will say about David Goggins's writing is mm-hmm. that his stories are very convenient. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to bash the way sure. like, he says it, but like I do wonder what his mom's version would be, or yeah. his brother's version would be, or even you know I don't know his dad's or something, because the the sometimes the stories are so intense and every word is like 
every line, every word comes out like a line in a movie. It's so dramatic, you know. And it's very I, intense. And I think sure. I think as a as a speaker, he's summarizing the heat of the moment in less words than it would be if it was like the actual transcript of what happened, mm-hmm. you know. But like <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, oh my god, you know. Like this song came on at just this moment and is playing, and it's like just this awful, <laughs> awful emotional you think moment. he had like a soundtrack as he wrote <laughs> yeah i don't know man i just it's so intense i mean it's things. really intense his childhood is um it's something no child should go through yeah and it's something that yeah. no woman should go through yeah. and every man should learn from yeah so that is i think really important um Moving on to chapter two, you're looking... So at the end of chapter oh, one, go he for does it. the challenge, right? Which is a part oh, that's of every... Right. At the end of every chapter, there's a challenge. That's good to note. So chapter one's challenge is what again? Is that the notes on the mirror thing? No. No, 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 no. Chapter one, the challenge is called... Let's see here. Um, Actually, challenge really doesn't have a name. It's just to break out a journal and um, write about factors limiting your growth and success and, and what's standing in your way. And I think... You know, this challenge is really to kind of get to the root of um, what's held you back. Mm-hmm. For him, I think that's his childhood, yeah. uh, which is great. I mean, I've been to therapy, um, and that's one of the things that you do is you kind of dive into your narrative narrative and your childhood. Yeah. And, and, and by, by speaking the narrative, you mm-hmm. unwind some of the tensions and awful things in a way that you can label them and put them away. Yeah. Um, I, I The challenges are interesting. I feel like uh, David Goggins had a... Maybe a ghostwriter to help him. He's such an intense dude. And I can't imagine that his words would ever land on the page so, in a way, so practically and like bulleted out, you know, in a way that's very helpful and, and very like sort of self-help motivational speaker. Yeah. I feel like he had some a friend or some someone help him write this out because like his story, you could tell when he's speaking in the, in, the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the book and when it sounds like someone helped him write a couple of really good bullet points to help yeah. people, you know. And I feel like those challenges are that more towards that end, yeah. you know. Or I mean, he, it's quite possible he did it. I mean, I, I definitely want to give him credit where credit's due. But yes, I, I don't know. I mean, he's um, God. I mean, if you're reading along with us, you hopefully understand when we're saying intense. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't joking. I felt like I was being shouted out through these pages. <laughs> I will say that his use of the word "fuck" is very, is 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 was done well. Yes. Like, he uses the word fuck at the right times. He doesn't use it a lot, To though. accent a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot. But it's just, like, it also makes it, in a way, like, oh, I, accessible. You know, like, yeah. ah, he's a guy. I He's a buddy. He's saying the word fuck because he, that's how he talks in real life, you know? And, you know, to be quite just frank about this whole book, it's not like he writes super eloquently. No. It's very no. much, like, man-to-man. Yeah. This, I'm speaking to you as a regular person and with incredible potential. Yeah. And uh, I think he gets that because that's who he was. Mm-hmm. He certainly is not that. He's exceptional. I mean, yeah. and when I say exceptional, I mean a little cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So we can move on to to chapter two, and it's called Truth Hurts. Mm-hmm. We're kind of entering more of his prepubescent slash, slash pubescent stage where he, um, you know, faces racism as a black man growing up in Brazil, Indiana. Yep. And um, yeah. Did you know I know where Brazil, Indiana is? Why? Because you fundraise there? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some context on the fundraising. So, Quan Chai and I both. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we both know. Yeah. Man, 
How do you even explain uh, this? Okay, time the in our most life? sanitized way is that our yeah, sanitize hyper conservative church, New Age church that we grew up in, um, had a lot of people after high school before college mm-hmm. do a year or two of service. I guess we'd call it. And when you when we say service, we just mean child labor. Child labor, fundraising for an unknown cause. Mostly that money went to the pockets of. You mean it wasn't for youth groups? It was not. We said it was for youth <laughs> groups and helping, you know. Uh, deal with uh, anti-violence programs and drug programs in schools but like that money went to buy helicopters and bullshit so i don't um, know what it was for i i do know that it a lot of it i would say would embrace a lot of these things that we're reading about in david goggins thing where it's like just get through it because fundraising if anyone out here has done it it's it's horrible. It's horrible. Knocking, knocking on doors, house to house, or going to businesses with a, it's a also rack of... also dangerous for 18-year-olds to yeah, be doing. Awful. Anyway, yeah. uh, we don't have to but go no, into I... it too much, but <laughs> yeah, did you fundraise Brazil, Indiana? Because <laughs> I fundraised the point, all of you. Uh, my answer is no. Um, love that we went off on that. But Brazil, Indiana. So this is recent. I actually uh, did a, a work thing and had to speak to someone from Brazil, Indiana, oh, uh-huh. and... Uh, I did this, I, you know, I mean, when you hear Brazil, don't you think, oh, the the country Brazil? <laughs> so I, I misread, I was reading too quick that chapter and I was yeah. like, they fled to Brazil? <laughs> See what it oh my God. It's quite a dis, her parents live in Brazil? But yeah, it's like, Brazil, who would know? Indiana. So he and his mother go to live with her parents in, in Brazil, Indiana. And immediately I thought of this experience where I was talking to someone from Brazil, Indiana. And I was like, oh, um so funny i i'm sure you get this a lot but i i initially thought brazil the country and i was like ha ha and he was Dead i'm pain. telling you no no lick of humor okay Probably no humor and just goes yeah we hear that often and nobody here enjoys that <laughs> and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry brazil indiana got it got it Anyway, so from my experience, um, limited per se, yeah. you know, it's it was um, pretty dry. Yeah. Dry and so here. that's where he grew That's up. where he fled to. That's how you should divine, define all of Brazil, Indiana, is through my explanation. Through your one explanation. Yes. Yeah, on the phone. No, no. So he, so okay, so he grows up in Brazil, Indiana, and um, begins experiencing racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he kind of goes through that experience and, and shares... Um, you know, the things that he faced, including like, you know, walking with a friend down a road and um, some kids in a truck stopping in the middle road and just very brazenly um, putting a gun to his forehead. And I, I remember reading this and my heart was pounding. Yeah. I also just watched Unsolved Mysteries where something okay. similar happened. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I won't go there. I won't go there. It's not funny. It's not funny, um, but Unsolved Mysteries is so intense also. It's so, well, it's, yeah, it's pretty intense. And I was, I was watching, or reading, excuse me, reading, trying to be focused here. Focus, focus. And up. I was reading that and my heart was just beating and um, how he shared about it. And then how he shared about another instance where there is a girl that he likes and they're in like some food place. I don't remember where. And her, and they clearly like each other. And her father comes in and pulls her away from him, mm-hmm. and just said, "I will not be having you date this person." Yeah, and uses like, very explicit um, words to, you know, yeah. explain him. And um, he says that moment is even worse for him because it was public humiliation, <sighs> even more yeah, so than the Jesus than the gun Christ, to the yeah. face in the middle of the road. 
And so you realize that this is now becoming another part of his life that mm-hmm. is largely shaping him. Yeah. And, and that's what we're beginning to discover in chapter two. Um, and, and really fucking up in school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he talks about he talks very clearly about um, just learning how to copy really, really well. Oh yeah, and that carry him basically through the next chapter or so, all the way through like all his schooling. I was a great cheater too. Really? Oh my I god! I don't. I cheated a little bit. Really? But, yeah. Oh, I was great. I was I a mean, pretty good student, I think. I was a good student. I would say. Oops. Excuse me. I would say. Um, I was a great student in university. I absolutely killed it, and I did no cheating whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But in high school, I remember so clearly knowing that I was going to that fundraising um, team after high school. Yeah. So having no motivation. You know, I was like, who cares? So I I definitely didn't care. And I just like cheated some days. I remember doing my homework Mm -hmm. and copying someone else's homework in class before it started Mm -hmm. and then giving it to the teacher as soon as she came to pick it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when David Goggins explained all of it, I was like laughing hysterically because I was like, don't I know it? I mean, from one cheater to another, you were like, I understand. You know, at that age, kids are so creative. (laughs) There's something what? ingenious about it. Cheating? Well, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand how he says he could cheat through that many classes. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, he got into AP. That, I think, is nuts. Yeah. That I never got into AP. I knew my standards. <laughs> I'd be... Yeah, I don't know. That seems like... I don't know how he did Well, that. he definitely... I mean, kids are creative. Yeah, no, for you sure. You know? I remember one time from a Japanese class. I'm half Japanese, but I was taking Japanese in college, uh, in, in community college. Because I was trying to delve into my roots um, and be, learn Japanese, and the class That's was a awful. Great thing. The class was awful because it well, not awful. It was yeah. cool. It's a Japanese teacher, a Japanese woman teaching, mm-hmm. and it was like me. I was the only Asian kid. No, there was another Asian kid. There was a Chinese guy who was constantly bringing his Sailor Moon dolls <laughs> in. No joke for I show and tell. I love that. I absolutely and, and love And everyone that. else was like, you know, just like American kids wanting to learn Japanese, but I was like the half Japanese kid trying to learn Japanese yeah. and I cheated once on a on a, a kanji a Chinese characters test because they're they're so hard uh, to memorize and I uh printed out the cheat sheet uh really really small and then cut them into ribbons and taped them into my striped dress shirt that I was wearing that day you see what I mean there's something smart about so that, you though. know what I yeah actually maybe I do get it about being creative and cheating because yeah. that was I just looked at my arm I like the stripe of my arm I mean I don't condone cheating let's just be real I don't think either of us do no definitely not but I think at the end of the day a lot of a lot of kids could probably relate now getting back to chapter two I yeah. we, we totally skipped a huge plot oh, point in chapter two yeah Willemuth. yes a big positive influence on his life huge. a man that uh, his mother met and was going to marry. Yeah, he proposed um, to her. And then was tragically killed, like, outside of his house. No, in his garage. In his garage, yeah. yeah. By just, like, roving gang This people. is a man know. who he saw for the first time as a true father figure. Yeah. So it's pretty um, heartbreaking to see for David himself to... I feel like I have to call him Mr. Goggins for some reason. Let's just go... Let's pick one now, because I feel like I don't to say either. Let's call him... Let's call him David. Okay, so let's call not him Mr. Goggins then. No, Mr. Goggins sounds so weird. <laughs> I just like, feel like... Mr. Goggins. Could you imagine if he listens David. and he's like, we call don't, me sir. I, mean, I don't know David. You don't know David. But okay. Let's call him David. David. I think he'd want that if okay. you know, we were in the same room with him. And, I just know. feel like he's shouting at me to just call him sir. 
yeah. Sir <laughs> Officer yeah. Goggins, you know? Anyway, so he um, he really kind of, he shares about Lilith and how he becomes this positive influence who goes to his games and really supports him and helps yeah. practice with him. And it's beautiful. And I think, you know, for me, my my stepdad is, is someone who became like a real father to me. And again, mm-hmm. I love... Um, my biological father, who we'll get into later um, sure. in, in probably later episodes, but wasn't really around. And so my stepdad was the first person who, I guess man, I should say, mm-hmm. to show That's unconditional important. love. Yeah. Um, as a woman, and at the time a young girl, I didn't understand how to accept that, which might sound strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as a young girl, it was like... I. I I don't know, but listening and reading about David Goggins and and how he David right David yeah. and how he really felt felt attached. Yeah. I understood that feeling. I see, and even more so his mother. Yeah, finally finding someone who loves you and gives you hope. He uses the words he allowed them to be free. Mm-hmm. How powerful is that? Yeah, and um, and then to have that person taken away in a very gruesome murder. He was he was shot in his garage. Um, we're not sure. It's actually quite unclear. He was apparently involved in something shady. It wasn't very clear. Yeah. And um, someone came back for revenge. Yeah, and shot him in his own garage. Yeah. 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 And and so he's lost, and and that's another tragedy that, you know, David sees, and then he comes out with explaining, just kind of like this is what I mean by intense. Like he's just kind of talking nonchalantly, and then he'll suddenly be like. And then I saw this kid hit by a bus and I, I looked under the bus and I and saw his head, his head flattened. And I was pancake, like, yeah. I'm sorry. What? Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> what, what the happened? frick? I thought he was making a metaphor about his own experience with his, uh, you know, the w- Wilmoth. Right. Dying and seeing, you know, his death and seeing that, that stuff. But yeah, no, he actually saw a kid get flattened, a mm-hmm. young kid get flattened by a school bus. He was like, this child was running across the street with like cupcakes or something for the bus driver. See, this is what I mean about like just being, the (laughs) the story is so convenient. It's a small child. There is a school bus. He's holding cupcakes. No, I mean, not convenient. I mean, I'm not saying, it's just like, it's written in a way that's just like almost unbelievably tragic. It is truly like, your mouth is left over. Like Julian today, we were discussing with Jules around uh what what would you call that lunch dinner 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 yeah Supper. and he goes while i was reading the book he said I, I kept making all these comments and that was one of the moments where i was like what the fuck like yeah yeah anyway it, it is it, it is truly tragic i mean chapter one and chapter two it's just because these are the situations that are truly out of his control and yeah, i think those are really important things to to note on is that especially in childhood so much of our life is out of our control yeah i mean i as a um, i'm the oldest i'm the oldest son in my family mm. i think that has something to do with my psyche of course right and as an asian man an asian oldest son to my parents <laughs> an elder an eldest son it's it's a it's an interesting position that has with it that comes with it like sort of a sense of responsibility. I think honestly that that sense of responsibility is sort of like a, a floating one in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really exists in any real tangible way, except in the ways that make me feel guilty and yeah. make me feel uh, pulled. To do, yeah, they exist yes. culturally, but like 
our culture is now American, you know, but like, right. So there's well, this weird uh, symbiosis between being Asian, full Asian in America, mm-hmm. being totally American, right? Yeah, um, I, I think there's a comp more. It's a bit more complicated because it's like you you grow up in a Asian household. Yeah, but and, you have to find the balance with the American world that you live in. Yeah, and and I feel like there's all sorts of stories in my my, my two younger sisters are, are better. I think they've done a better job unpacking how their childhood has mm-hmm. affected their current adulthood. Yeah. And I think a lot of mine is sort of rosy-eyed, things mm-hmm. that are good, and a lot of ignoring of things that were bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, I don't know if I've necessarily unpacked a lot of that. You know what's interesting is I am also the eldest. Mm-hmm. And um, I have three younger siblings, um, two of which I am a decade plus older than mm-hmm. and those are my half siblings and i i love them as my it doesn't matter half or whatever i love them yeah as my siblings but my younger brother who you know we share the same parents and, and really kind of close in age we're only two years apart and we really grew up together we also share very different we don't share excuse me we have very different viewpoints mm-hmm. like i have a bit more of a sunny disposition and i I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit more realistic mm-hmm. about how he grew up. And mm-hmm. I think yeah, we talked about it too. before where it's Sisters. like, yeah, it's it's interesting. And maybe it's because of this, like, I, I don't know, we're not psychologists, but maybe there's something about being older and having to be resilient and feeling like almost like the middleman and speaker on behalf of your parents maybe oh my god i just went through that whole thing when i was when i was back in chicago (laughs) me me and my sisters had a long talk about i I was just professing my own feelings about like feeling like why am i doing why am i assuming this role of sort of delivering being the arbitrator for my parents when Mm. they're adults they've made their choices my sisters their families their ones you know they're adults they've made their choices and so have i why is there like a layer, a sheen of like responsibility or guilt when they, no one needs any help, you know? I don't know. I think there's something about that. I mean, I think elder siblings take that usually, and I've seen younger siblings do it too, where mm. it's like mm-hmm. there's a protective layer around the parents and then yeah. a protective layer around your siblings, and you need to kind of be the bridge between the two. Yeah, and as an oldest son and, and someone who has been thinking, definitely the last month has been something I've been thinking about more intensely Um because, well, dealing with my, my dad has leukemia. Mm-hmm. This is the second time he's relapsed. So I spent a, a month in Chicago helping him deal with his uh, chemotherapy treatments. I'll be going back. I, I'm only home for like a couple, several weeks. And then I'm, I'm going back to be like a 24-hour caregiver. So right. something that's been really on my mind is just like my parents and mm-hmm. what my parents mean to me. I moved away pretty young when I was 19 mm-hmm. um, to California from Chicago. And so... A lot of my view of the past is kind of, it, it stays in this prism of perfection that is from, you know, one to zero to 18. My par- my experience with my parents is kind of frozen in time. So, um, whereas my sisters have more realistic, you know, where they spent some of their adulthood with my parents in mm-hmm. Chicago. But yeah, for me, I, I have been thinking about this a lot. So reading this book has been interesting because... I've been thinking of, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for David to be, to tell me how his childhood affected him. Yeah. Right? That's what I want to know. Yes. Um, and part of being the oldest son also, maybe it's kind of... Uh, maybe he ma- is the youngest son. He is the youngest right. of, of the two, right? But but something about being an oldest son, my attitude is sort of like, well, well, what did you do? You know, what did you do about it? You know? <laughs> right. Come on, David. There's some sort of like... There's like a... Show, yeah, involved. show me... Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you're complaining. Yeah. Let, me, let me know what, what you did. David, 
had gone through very unrelatable things. Completely unrelatable. <laughs> I very... have not at all the same. No. Ch- I had a great childhood, really. Yeah. You know, I very much have a good relationship with my parents. But and, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah. Part of it is I'm 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 waiting to read the chapter where how does he turn these? Because I'm it's a motivational book. I'm right. where does where does this turn in a way? Because um, really, the first three chapters are very. The first two chapters mm-hmm. are very much like a report on what happened to him that is building to something. Right. Yeah. And I, chapter two is actually where he introduces. Oh my God, we're only on chapter two. Okay, so on chapter two, he introduces the accountability mirror. Mm-hmm. And the um, challenge. Uh, yes, yeah, and that's where he uh, realized he's gonna fail out of school his dream is to go to the air force and be a pararescue um because his grandfather had been in the air force Mm -hmm. and realizes with all the cheating he's done and really kind of the the pain that he's allowed to find him and you know react in a way that you know when i read it i was like you're a young child like i I, you can't knock someone for that you know but you read that and um also, actually, actually, we should mention that he mentions his teachers. He mentions his sister Catherine. Yeah. Who really initially, when he leaves his father, she's a she's a his second grade teacher who teaches him and understands that like with any child, like um, you have to figure out how they learn. Yeah. And so she really is patient with him. But as he moves on and progresses in his you know education, he runs into more your atypical sort of um, educational experience, which is um, you know being told that he's special and he very much you know calls it out. No child wants to be called special, especially mm-hmm. at that age. We all know what that means. Yeah, um, it's not a good special. Yeah. And so that's where he develops his sort of cheating antics. And um, in that process, he doesn't learn because he's cheating the whole time. Yeah. And so he's failing and he is looking in the mirror. And for the first time he goes, you know, I, I forget the exact words he uses, but he is not nice to himself and basically says, you're dumb. Like, yeah. you're flunking, like saying all these things to himself. And he's shaving his head. It's <laughs> real. It's just intense yeah. imagery. Yeah. Shaving his head, shaving his beard. And... um really wanting to manifest sort of what that would look like as mm-hmm. a, as part of the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And he changes sort of his approach to everything. Yep. And he calls that the, again, the affirmation mirror, I think. Is that correct? I don't know exactly. Oh, man. So we did read this a while. Oh, accountability mirror. Excuse me. Yes. He calls this the accountability mirror. And, is, yeah. um, and then you have to kind of write your small goals in there. And he, he goes through that. So that's the second challenge is you beginning to... Uh, write post-it notes on your mirror. Yep. Um, did you do the challenge? I didn't do any of the challenges. Oh, my God. Did you do the challenges? I did this one. Okay, good. That's awesome. Wow. Wait, it's so funny. <laughs> Julian was laughing so hard. So he basically says, like, don't be soft on yourself. Be super, like, just upfront. Yeah. Just forward. And at first I was kind of, like, against it because I was like, okay, I'm not really into, you know, like, hippy-dippy. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. not into negative self-talk. Sure. But then I realized like what he's doing is he wants you to turn the words around. Those negative words you say to yourself anyway every single day from your insecurities and the pain that you're experiencing. He's saying take ownership of it. it, Excuse me. Take ownership of it. Own it. Make it your drive. And so that's where that's coming from. So then I was like, okay. So I was like, I wrote down a bunch of post-it notes and I told Julian about it. He was rolling. (laughs) Basically, I wrote like, you fat fuck. Oh, damn. <laughs> like, and like stuff like that. Yeah. And then, I mean, 
I'm not fat by any means, but um, and it, but I wrote that because that's how I feel inside, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Or you, you dumb, you dumb girl, you know. Yeah. Like, and I'm not dumb by any means either. But you know, these things that I feel because of the insecurities I have, uh-huh. fat because I'm not at the fitness level that I wish to be, mm-hmm. um, and not in an unhealthy way, but knowing that. You know, I have to exercise more during quarantine. I have mm-hmm. to eat better and take care of my body, especially as I'm getting older. And then um, the dumb piece is like, you know, there are a lot of things like, especially like reading, for example, I need to commit, you know, I need to commit to that. Sure, sure, or yeah. or even at work, like go the extra mile just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm not, but like just a little bit more, you mm-hmm. know, especially during quarantine where no one can see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think everything comes with the balance, of course, but you know, saying those things to myself, I thought I was going to be really pissed about it. Mm-hmm. So here's the craziest part. Tell me. I felt great. Oh. It works. was so weird. Maybe I should do that. You should try it. I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to. I should. If your mind is fragile, I wouldn't recommend this. I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I would, rec- s- I, re- I would recommend therapy first. Sure. Um, Because yeah. I'm not like in a space where that is going to like throw me off the edge. Yeah. But um, writing that and saying it to myself and then being like, how can I change this? Yeah. And he says, even if it's like lose two pounds in the first week mm-hmm. or say you're going to do one small change, like make the bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are going to begin the metamorphosis yeah. and help you change. But you're also taking all of those negative things and you're turning them into your drive because motivation yeah. to him is called bullshit mm-hmm. because motivation you lose really easily. But your drive is what keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's chapter two. That's good. You know what? Let's take a little break. All right. And then we'll be right back. And we're back. We are back. So we've gone through chapters one and two and the challenges associated with them, the challenge things. Man, one and two. And just to summarize the next four chapters, we're just going to highlight the main bits of chronology. Don't worry. We'll still dig deep. Yes. Um, but chapter three is called The Impossible Task. This is David in his early 20s. Um, he is in, he's trying to get into the pararescue, right? Well, he just finished going to the Air Force and did not fulfill his dreams of going to the pararescue because of negative buoyancy and his... That's right. His fear of... Um, water. His fear of water, yeah. Um, and this, this is the chapter where he's setting rat traps out, right? At the, yep. At the, so he's like... His job has become um, late night going out at pest control at mm-hmm. just fast food joints. Also um, to note, he's he's gotten heavy. Yeah, so he was getting really in shape and pretty jacked, and mm-hmm. then he just let it all go. So he's at his like heaviest he's ever been. Yeah, just, he's 6'2", 300 fat. plus pounds. Yeah, big, big guy. Honestly, I don't know what that so. looks like. but um, And the important part of this chapter is him realizing as he's setting those rat traps, like, I need to get the hell out of, you know, get the hell out of Dodge and get mm-hmm. my life together. Um, also, he's married. He's married to his first wife. Who is the same person where we mentioned earlier whose father was like, right. don't you they, talk to my daughter. That's right. The racist <laughs> guy. It, yeah. I, he, he never even goes into it at all. No. He just states that it's I'm the same in an way. unhappy marriage. <laughs> like, oh, you I got think married? there's so much more there, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't touch it and that's fine. Yeah. Right? Fine. Because it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with Maybe the, he's like super private in current state. For sure. For sure. And chapter four is called Taking Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really where it gets into the meat of his uh, Navy SEALs training. Right. Um, 
and uh, well, he gets all, into the Navy SEALs, right? And all these um, characters, like his drill sergeant, Psycho and Pete, Psycho Pete, and um, the other characters in his unit, mm-hmm. um, and all the stuff that I mean, we've all seen some kind of movie or documentary about um, Navy SEALs training, and mm-hmm. how it's one of the most awful rigorous things in the world they get drowned yeah it's like near drowning and you're forced to your physical and why do you do that to yourself and he says that that's a big part of that chapter is like your why yeah yep yeah and then uh chapter five yeah chapter five chapter five is called armored mind it was actually for me the most impactful chapter i have to say um and he goes into uh what's called the calloused mind and how to callous your mind and um he goes through sort of like how he completes Navy SEALs. And just to kind of, you know, go run through it real quick, he has to go through the Navy SEALs Hell Week three different times. That's right. Yeah. So nuts, man. Because the first two times he's like taken out because of double pneumonia. And then he like messes up his knee knee real bad in the second time. And then the third time he goes back. So, which is ridiculous because nobody wants to go through Hell Week even one time. Right. And so... He talks about that and, um, you know, I think, you know, one of the most impactful pieces of it is he starts to fall apart mm-hmm. uh, and talk about how, yeah, he has the accountability mirror. He knows he can overcome any sort of physical challenge. But as much as he is mind over body, this is the chapter where we really begin to see the exploration of him understanding what you mentioned earlier is how his childhood and how he grew up affects him yeah and that your foundation is your character and when that's broken no matter how much you build those positive things you're you're building it on a broken foundation yeah so that's chapter five and then chapter six which is uh the last chapter we will end on um before we read chapters you know seven through Ooh, gosh how long is this book 11 chapters all right yeah so that's what we're talking about So chapter six is called, It's Not About the Trophy. And we see him, you know, he's already exited the Navy SEALs. And he is now, you know, doing ultra marathons or ultra running is what it's called. I think he just begins his adventure into it. And he's doing it. He talks about why he's doing it is because there was a loss in the Navy SEALs. And he happened to be friends with the, the same person who the lone survivor, the film is based on, Marcus. That's right. Yeah. He's like connected to all these random people, right? Like Marcus from The Lone Survivor, and then yeah. I forget his name, but I think it's Chris from um, uh, American Sniper. Yeah, mm-hmm. was in his one one of his Navy yeah. um, SEAL training groups. So anyway, um, he talks about that and how he's motivated to do ultra running in ultra order running, to yeah. um, raise money for families That's who have right. lost, um, yeah. you know, family in the Navy SEALs. And so he does ultra running and he, he does his first one and basically totally doesn't train, fucks up his entire body. And right. this is probably the chapter where I was like, he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so so out of those four chapters, let's start going through just, you know, a few things that really stood out to you. And so you're yeah. saying. I would say for me, the most impactful was chapter five, mm-hmm. just because I think that's the moment where he talks about like you know you're reading all about this like accountability mirror and 
you know, taking souls, which is where he psychologically beats his instructors in the Navy SEALs by his ability to go past their expectations completely exactly and just like whatever sort of mental game they're playing he plays it back one up it like even more yeah and and so i think that that part's really interesting but i he's so unrelatable to this point of the book Mm, where it's so hard yeah it was hard to be like all right this i was like okay i'm never gonna be a navy seal you know but then in the moment where he says you know, he is flunked out, or not flunked out, he's injured out of, of his first, his second time. His second round of, yeah. And he has to ask himself, why would I go back? He's like considering right. becoming a civilian yeah, firefighter. He goes home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, God, he's so unrelatable. And then he finally says, like, he looks himself in the accountability mirror and he goes, Are you really trying to become a civilian firefighter because you're like, that's really what I want to do? And Mm -hmm. he admits to himself that it's because he's scared to go back to hell. Mm -hmm. And he says he starts realizing all these other things about him having this ability to totally look at himself, break himself down, have mind over body. But he's broken inside. Yeah. And none of that has been touched. And we actually yeah. don't quite touch it yet. Like, he it, hasn't he quite just, gone into he it. He just yet. touches on the head about his relationship with his dad mm-hmm. and all that stuff and owning his identity as part of his experiences as, as a child. As a black man, too. As and, a black man, yeah. facing racism. So it's the first time we're seeing him pull back into yeah. chapters one and two. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's important. It humanizes him because, oh my yes. God, his experiences are so intense. So intense. <laughs> and he's like, you can do this. I'm like, no. I, mean, I read so much where he's like, I wanted to quit, but I didn't. And I was like, you should have just quit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I really relish my ability to just say no to things, you know? Yeah. And and not, not like in a heroic way saying no to something bad, but just saying no to things which... Make me do anything I'm uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe that's part of our childhood being sort of challenging, like being constantly, yeah. yeah, the resistance to someone saying like, "Do this now and don't ask questions." Yeah, I hate that. I hate it. And Navy SEALs training, the buds training, like I would never, I, I wouldn't even like, in a moral sense in my mind, be able to do it because mm-hmm. it just wouldn't make any sense. And I think honestly, not not to denigrate the experience at all, but like. Mm-hmm. I don't know how a, 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 a an older adult could do that. There's too much right. on the line with maybe a relationship or or just your own phys- more frail physical shape. Like it's something that someone young can do and right. push themselves beyond any human measure. You know, it, it's yeah. I I don't know. Reading that entire experience and even him feeling like. By the way, he's a total masochist. And oh, very much so, yeah. <laughs> Growth through pain. Growth through pain, but Extreme he, like, pain. enjoys it. Yeah. Um, there I, know, are couple... I know some people like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird. I, I, I think you and I both I know one I, person in particular. <laughs> yeah. You and I don't associate with that mentality. No, no. But I, I, I know it in a way, you know. And I've I, seen I kind it of get it, too. Like, it's the feeling of, like, wow, I went through so much suffering, and, and look what I've achieved. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really important because this is the part where it resonates, where it's like, okay, you can do all of those things mm-hmm. and you can accomplish a shit ton mm-hmm. and you can feel like this is where you hear like for me on a very, very much more shallow level, um, where you see like those fitness gurus, like even on social media and you learn later on that they're all super depressed. Oh yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. why are they depressed? They're so fit. Yeah. And this is an example of it. It's because that's just one piece yeah 
You know, you have to really kind of look at the foundation that you're built on and that's your character. And he even says, you know, when your character or foundation is broken, it influences your decisions and you tend to make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is the the chapter that really, I think, impacted me and, and how he go through like, you know, how do you armor your mind? Mm-hmm. And, and um, I felt that was quite, this was probably the chapter where I was inspired it, it, I think it was meant to be that. that yes. This is like the turning point of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I think all the chapters are quite interesting. I mean, even in chapter three where he talks about being like super heavy and then he's like, <sighs> yeah. oh, and then I saw Navy SEALs training sort of documentary like on, on TV. Yeah. Or, or commercial. Oh, no, 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 yeah, a show. Yeah. yeah, and then he goes and gets like a, a chocolate milkshake or something and then he's like, yeah. I'm going to run and then runs and fails and then he like comes back to his chocolate milkshake and then runs again. Yeah, see, I was the, like, the, what? So the, the thing that makes him unrelatable for me uh, the part that makes him unrelatable is the part of him that is like just just an intense person. Yeah, you know? like totally. We all know people in our life that are really intense. They make choices that are just like a little bit outside the sensible, logical sure. norm. And sometimes they have to make those decisions because they weren't particularly good at making a normal decision that could have preempted and made later decisions earlier. Mm-hmm. Like an organized, you sit down, you thought about it, mm-hmm. you asked some questions... You got some resources and made an informed decision. A lot of decisions are like, and then I just did it. I threw my milkshake on the ground and ran five miles. And I'm like, there's a lot of ways. I mean, it's inspiring, honestly. But also, it's in a way that I would never go near. You know? Never. If I ate a milkshake, I'd be like, today is not the day. Today is not the day. And <laughs> next week is not the day either. You know what? You know how many of us that go like, tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. my diet. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, totally. But I think that's also something to, to be said about what he does, right? He's saying there's no better moment than now. Yeah. Stop making excuses because that is most people is yeah. we make so many excuses and we're really soft on ourselves. Yeah. So when you drink a milkshake and then you feel so sick because you, you tried running and then you stop and you're like, I better do this tomorrow. He's like, no, you yeah. deserve that pain and suffering to know what you've done to your body and then to, to win. You know, I mean, again... I'm, it's funny, I've been called intense, but I'm definitely not. I think I've called you intense. You've called I'm me sorry. intense. I'm That's sorry. I'm sorry I called you intense. Don't be sorry. I know you don't like me when I, 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 I don't when I love being intense. called intense. Who be- likes to be called intense also? But, you know, this book actually changed my mind a little bit. Mm, okay, tell me. Because when you say intensity, what you mean is I have strong sort of convictions. Is that what I mean? I'm just speaking <laughs> for <laughs> No, just go ahead. No, no yeah, I, I would yeah. say that is objectively true yeah um i mean you've explained it a couple times feel free to interject here but no keep going keep i want to hear all <laughs> let me speak it. for you <laughs> you shush your mouthies and let me speak yeah uh-huh. um i'm just kidding but in the past i've definitely seen intense as sort of like an offensive thing like mm. someone that's unlikable sure but i'm starting to realize like even through this book where it's like Look, I everyone has a level of intensity. You push a certain button and you're going to see a level of intensity come out of somebody. Yeah. Now, someone who's truly intense is someone like David. Yes. Goggins, totally. right? Like, yeah. that is a, a purely intense human. And, um, I mean, it, God, there's so much to unpack in all of this. I mean, let's talk about the fact that, like, he breezes over his personal life through all of this. Yeah, there's two wives in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it's just a footnote, which is fine. If it doesn't apply to the story, I'm not, it's not bad, you know. He's in chapter three, he's married to to Pam, who is the woman whose father was racist toward him. In chapter five or six, he's divorced from Pam, 
but remarried to someone named Kate, was it? I can't even remember. I can't remember the, who he gets pregnant just as oh, he's going he, no, back into training. Oh, he gets Pam pregnant. Gets Pam. Oh, it gets Pam pregnant. That's right. Right before right. his third go at, at Navy, Navy SEALs, SEALs training. So, so, so here's an example, right? Yes. Here's here's a smart thing to do. Uh, use some contraception, contraceptive, uh, mm-hmm. if it's something that's this important, you know. But right. instead, it's he didn't make that decision, and I'm not saying you can, you know, predict everything with, you know, no. But Jesus, like, it makes the story so much more intense. But he doesn't even go into it. Like he, he doesn't, just says, he doesn't even touch all it, he yeah. says is, she's so happy yeah. that they're pregnant, and we learn later on that she's followed him to San Diego That's right. while he's in SEALs training in a miserable 700 square foot or $700 a month apartment. Yeah, right. And she's pregnant. And that's the last we hear that's of the last Pam. Yeah, hear about, yeah. Did they have the baby? I don't know. It sounds, yeah. I assume so. The, the, his overall, the way he talks about women, the women in his life and women mm-hmm. that are uh, breezing through the store at certain points, it is not my favorite same um you know like he talks about i mean this is this is the real world and he talks about um other uh trainees like you know going to get some pussy on the weekend or something yeah 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 oh that word i mean that is not a way that we speak in in fine circles amongst friends but i get that that's a fucking real thing right that's a real thing to say about some dudes in training especially young dudes so he's not trying to frame it in a nice way he's saying he's saying in a way that you'd talk about with yeah. some real people and I that's fine with me honestly but kind of jarring when that's the only times that he touches the topic of women in his life yeah <laughs> I mean there's a lot of things in his personal life that we don't really see we never see him talk about his bro okay granted we haven't finished the book right, sure, right but right. up we to chapter know. six yeah. we don't see his brother his elder brother being brought up right, again right we see he touches on Trunus. I have a feeling he's gonna come back sure. in the in the future um uh, I was gonna say episodes, <laughs> but he he does he talks about his mother again showing up to his Navy SEALs graduation, yeah. but he really just glosses over all the other personal relationships in his life, yeah. um, except for the ones that he's built in the Navy SEALs, and maybe, just maybe it, it's because the point of the book, maybe not maybe maybe this is it, the point of the book, is to motivate you mind body heart whatever yeah. Right, and and maybe that's why he glosses over it. He doesn't see the importance. And of I'm it. fine with that, you know. I yeah. don't know. I wasn't so okay with it because I think uh, that level of intensity. I'm like, well, what about your life? Are you happy? I'd love to ask. I'm sure he is. I mean, he would. He can't. I mean, I don't know. So, I, some people do say those that teach teach because what's the saying? Those that can't teach teach gym. That one. Oh my god, that's awful. <laughs> I thought that's what I mean. That's just a saying I've heard. I don't know. That's also Those not true. Teachers teach, are great. Teach um, so many of our friends are teachers. <laughs> no, teach gym, gym class, like a gym teacher. Maybe, but he's. I don't know. I just I'm conflicted because I. The point I'm trying to make is I want to know what's going on with his personal life sure, because sure, sure, that's sure. where balance comes in. Yeah. With someone like him, he's already on to wife number two. Granted, he was unhappy in, with wife number one in his yeah. life there. Seems a lot happy with wife number two. Yeah. And maybe I follow him on social media. Oh, yeah. Wife number four? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh. He's definitely not with wife number two. Okay, yeah. You know, not to give anything away. I don't know where we are in this book. 
Yeah. Um, and look, I don't want to ridicule someone else's life. You don't know what they've gone through. I mean, mm-hmm. except with David Goggins. Listen, those women were all horrible. That's <laughs> that's the lesson it. we learned. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like we learn so much inspiring ways to develop our minds. Mm-hmm. But I want to see how he's balanced his life. Yeah, and that. honestly, like the thing that I do notice is that like there's no balance in his life. There's I mean, no I mean, he's telling us the most intense parts, but yes. I just feel like he goes through everything yeah. like a cannonball. Granted, I respect it. I could never do such a thing. Sure. I mean, also, yeah. maybe I don't respect it, you know? Interesting. And and that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm taking it in at its face value. Mm-hmm. He did this thing. Yeah. And for him, it's important. It doesn't have to matter to me, but right. I'm going to just take it in. And he says that, even. Like, the military, also, a lot of this is about the military, right? Right. And military culture, and it's a specific thing that I know nothing about. Same, I have no and, idea. And it's a gigantic realm that exists in its own sphere, it has its own yeah. rules. It has its own culture and its yeah. own language. I know nothing about. I do know that Navy SEALs training is like way at mm-hmm. the high end of that in yep. a way that um, I'm sure Navy SEAL doesn't want to be lumped in with other far distant edges of the military, quote right. unquote, right? I mean, he says that. He talks about Marcus, who is the lone survivor, yeah, and how he is a twin brother and yeah. how his twin brother... Um, couldn't relate to Marcus for a while until he joined. Like, they were basically joined at the hip, super communicative. But when Marcus joined the Navy before, the Navy SEALs before him, that was the first time in their lives where they, they there was a disconnect. Right. And until his brother also joined, that's when they were able to connect again. Because that is how intense and insane that whole experience is. Until you experience it, you can't really understand. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's where we're at. We I think so. And I think it's it. important not to look at the, at the military uh, the military world as this monolithic thing, that there's mm-hmm. so many parts of it um, that are so different from other parts of it. Yeah. And looking at the U.S. military as some kind of monolith that everyone is the same mm-hmm. is wrong. But I'm, I am biased to do that because I don't know anything about it. You know? Right. And, and that's... The so I'm trying to put that aside is yeah. what I'm saying, you know. It's tough, right? Like, because we have our own personal experiences, and, and I think it's important to relate to it, relate back to it. But I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's I, uh, so much that I there, there's like uh, so many so many of these stories. I feel like you would only do if you were young, and I'm not old. I'm no, 36 this year. Yeah, right. Just turned 36, but like I feel like these are things you do because you're 17, 18, right? And things like sleep deprivation mm-hmm. like physically torturing somebody in these small units of people we have to rely on each other which is not at all the same as our years doing service for the when we were part of the church but is somewhat similar sleep deprivation uh, small units of people being challenged beyond what's nor you know out of your, your comfort zone i get i get that because i have a lot of good friends from that time you know even yeah. though that the situation was really shitty i have really strong memories of that time of feeling bonded and loyal to each other so if navy seals is one one fraction of that it's i can't imagine the sort of bonds that you build with people or we yeah um and the the experiences you have and the way that you would carry that over into like military service what a crazy crazy thing that i know nothing about you know but i feel like david david goes through all these things with the biggest hammer in the room, you know, mm-hmm. and just there's no sense of like carefully dealing with things with a scalpel. Like, what's, right. the, what's the tool for this issue? Right, Instead, right. it's like I am gonna run, or I am gonna brutish. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'm just gonna b- blast yeah. through this issue. And it's interesting because I think you and I are are probably a bit more similar. But when we were talking with Julian, who again is my fiance, 
he loved it. Yeah. He loves like, it. Yeah, Absolutely awesome. eats it up. Yeah. And I think it's it has something to do with a specific... <laughs> Maybe we're just lazy. Maybe. I, I am so <laughs> extremely careful about the way I give out my energy and Same. time to people. Yeah. And I think that comes off as being standoffish mm. or that may come off as being like... Like, one hand, my wife will be like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I feel like you don't care. But in a way, like, I'm scared to share the limited amount of resources and time that I have. Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to throw it at the thing that I 100% know and I'm comfortable with. And if you want to call that lazy as hell, you'd probably be right, you know? like I don't know. But isn't there something to be said? Okay, now we're just debating. But I, I'm just saying, like, I think there's something to be said about, um, and this is my problem with a lot of what David Goggins says, is he has this incredibly impactful story. But I think his boundaries like um he's not a psychologist mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i don't think every human is ready for this and he mentions all this yeah. it's not like he's unaware yeah and by the way when we speak about boundaries he like leaves the navy seals for the second time and then like very casually throws out there that he has claustrophobia and therefore yeah. doesn't take the plane and takes the train yeah and i literally wrote a note i was like lol so he does have boundaries you know like yeah. Yeah. like he's like okay not pushing myself there yeah so he knows. I, I'm just curious to what capacity we're talking about. But, you know, when you're writing a book like this, and neither of you, you and I have, we haven't written a book. Yeah. I think you have to choose a, a lane. Yeah, choose a lane. And that's what it kind yeah, of feels sure, like. Sure. Um, yeah, not to give him, like, leeway on this, but it, it's definitely an extreme It's very extreme. Experience. Like like his, his idea of the calloused mind, mm. that's one thing I was, like, instantly turned off by. Church. I was like, ah, oh, no, mm. no, 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 no. I mean, on a personal level, I just, I, that's how we grew up in, in the way I, my family and, and you know, the, the church community w- was was built around the idea of, like, you do some, you know, these hard, jagged rocks, if you rub them together long enough, they become smooth and perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. And the idea that you can work through problems by just smashing it together over and over and over again until it's smooth, I just think is completely a fallacy. And and that people are intrinsically like as fragile as like crystal glass, yeah. and they don't fix afterwards. Like the idea of a lot of my anyway, that's it's a bigger thing into like religion and what religion means to religion means to me. And maybe it's something we're still like to be very vulnerable right now. Maybe it's something we're yeah, still working vulnerable. out. It to be very vulnerable. I mm-hmm. feel like I have gone past the point of working it out, and I'm trying <laughs> to find a reason to go back and look at it. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Like, I'm trying to be less calloused, if anything. <laughs> like, because my mind towards a lot of belief right. in religion is like, that thing really fucked me up. Mm. And I want to look at a reason to be soft. Find a reason to be soft again, you know? Mm. At least some parts of me, you know? Interesting. So, yeah, I just feel like the idea so, that uh, a callous is a good thing. Mm. Ah. Even like, you know, one hand she'll, she goes climbing a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that you want to get your hand calloused and ripped up so that at, at some point it's tough and hard and you can, like, hold on and mm-hmm. you have these, like, leathery pads that can scale you up a, a rock Little frog, cliff. frog I fingers. just, that is horrifying to me. <laughs> I just don't want my soft hands to be calloused and hard. I right. want them to be, like, you know. So maybe we're just not, when I say we, you're, you're you, you not just I, You and I and that's it. <laughs> you and I and I that's mean, it. I agree with you. I mean, I I think I felt some of that, Mm -hmm. to be frank, like, just very honest. But there's also part of me where I was like, I think because I've been going to a lot of therapy, Mm -hmm. I I haven't been going recently, but I have gone to quite a bit of therapy. Mm -hmm. There was this sense of until I address Mm 
those past wounds, yeah, I I won't be able to move forward from them, or yeah. or at least have the tools to understand how I've developed from them. Yeah. So I think those things are important because we look our lives really. I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit, and I hope it's okay to bring up. But even ooh, the fact that it's good. like ooh, um, you know, like you're not ready to go back to those. You're looking for a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like. Sometimes we have walls built in moments where I have we have so many walls. So Jamie. many walls. Seriously, so many but, walls. But you have to have them right now. In this time and in this day and age where we are experiencing a lot of major things happening in the world itself, let's just be real, right? Yeah. That shit's it's probably the apocalypse at this point. <laughs> but you also have a lot of personal things, right? Yeah. You have to have those walls up. And there is nothing in this book that he mentions that, but I think his walls when I read this, I think that was in the subcontext for me. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm a little bit of a softie and he'd probably disagree, but his walls served a purpose during yeah. a certain time in his life that he needed that. Yeah. And we all do. And, and that's just my opinion. Again, not a doctor, but just speaking as a friend, just listening and uh-huh. and really kind of resonating because for a long time, even now, I, I still feel really resentful, mm. you know, towards certain religion, like pushes and but I also see the beauty and community through through the religious community. And look yeah. at our relationship today, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're one of my closest friends. Yeah. And that also comes from a space of where we come from. Yeah. Also, we're just like really sons. <laughs> so cool, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> what does my face look like right now? What do you mean? What am I doing with my face? Because this my, this face is what. This is the face I do when I don't completely... When we're talking about David Goggins and, like, yeah. pushing and yeah, being yeah, chaos. Yeah. This is, like, I don't agree face, but I'm trying to be, like, nice. <laughs> this is my, like, I don't want to do the Just thing so you're you telling me. Just so you guys can see in your head, he's, like, his top teeth are hold. Yeah, he's biting his bottom lip <laughs> and, like, staring blankly. I'm he looks kind of, like, to the left of your upset face. yet blank, you know? Like, maybe <laughs> I'm going to get it that's after my, this. That's my, like, that's my, like, um... Am I going to get it after this? You're going to, yeah, you're so oh going to hear it from me. No, that's my face, like, when I forget to bring in the groceries and, you know, from the mm, car for the mm-hmm, 10th time. Mm-hmm. Like, did you get it, Kwan Jai? Frick. Yeah, I'm going to get it. Just yeah. melted. Anyway, this this book has, I think, you and I... I thought I was going to be super inspired. I will say I'm not there yet. We don't know. We don't okay, know. we don't know. We're honestly, only halfway it's, through. If it's halfway, we maybe haven't even hit the arc. You know, yeah. An arc might be two-thirds of the way in. Maybe. So, yeah. I don't yeah. want to discount uh, what it is. But but for, for what it is right now, I will I, I can, in a very personal way, just see ex- exactly the kind of mm. person that David... David is is people I've seen in my own life yeah. and I don't like those people. They're yeah. way too intense. Oh, I would not like him in person. Like I, I don't want I, anything to like, do with it's like, like it's a, too much. Not on like a, he's a bad guy, no, but not it's at just all. like oh my god, you are just burning fuel constantly, you know? Yeah. I mean, okay, so this is what I mean by I follow him on on Instagram yeah. like um I I went a little bit deep. What's scrolling doom scrolling? Doom scrolling, yeah. And okay, nothing really doom, but he like has all of these injuries and like he was told he couldn't run and then he's still running and he's like fuck you who thought I who commenting I could never run again look at me now and I was mm. like you're so out of your mind <laughs> um I mean I have this immense respect yeah. mixed with fear mixed with you're not my person yeah. mixed with thank you for your words slash I'm going to pick and choose what works for me because I think it works for a specific type. Like we also 
haven't come from as difficult of a history. No, not even not, not even, even close. close. Yeah. And so there's something to be said about that. But yeah. um, I think in chapter six was when I was like, he's nuts. Was at the end of the ultra marathon. Oh, By yeah. the way, guys, we're talking about a man, just to give you some context, loses over 100 pounds in three months. Yeah. So he can get into the Navy SEALs training. Okay. Yeah. First of all, unhealthy. He mentions it's unhealthy. He does a lot of unhealthy shit. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, fast forward to the ultra running. And at the very end of his ultra running, he has three days or a week notice to join an ultra running sort of marathon. And, and it's 100 miles, right? 100 miles. 100 miles nonstop. 100 miles. He legit pees and shits his pants. And when I say pee, it's not pee. We're talking blood. Yeah, and like the shit is like traveling down his leg and up his traveling back. Traveling down. And he talks about how like a mile 70-ish or whatever he like takes a break and then he gets back out out there and he can barely like move his legs but then mm-hmm. he starts thinking about like um pulling from your cookie jar which in his how he explains yeah. it is like all the wins you've had in your life through overcoming you look back on them and yes. you get gain energy from them exactly he, and he talks about serotonin and how it like plays an impact in that moment yeah. so he starts he he gains this ability to run again yeah so here's the part where he lost me at the very end of the race, he finishes 100, 100 miles. Mm-hmm. But he's unsure if he hit 100. So he runs an extra mile. Yeah. Which I was like, yeah. what? And then at the end, he's like peeing blood. He gets to his apartment. His wife, new wife, helps him. Yeah. He's in his bathroom. He's like, I don't want to go to the to hospital. The doctor, yeah. I just want to like be home. Oh, God. He pees a thick brown bile from his pee pee from his pee pee oh no and his wife calls the doctor and says like the doctor says kidney problems and stuff kidney it's potential kidney failure he needs to go to the er this is when i was like you've lost me my dude yeah he goes i didn't want to go to the er i want the pain was my reward i wanted to like relish in it and i was like okay we are not on the same page (laughs) it's like a strategic man to your point would have at mile 30 said hey maybe i should take a beat wait because his goal is to get to the hardest ultra marathon um in he, order he, to he had money he'd only ever run a regular marathon which is thir- 13 20 20, 20 mile, something 28 miles, miles. I can't anyway <laughs> we don't even know <laughs> he had done a, a marathon like a couple years before mm-hmm. but that's the most he'd ever run in one stretch and, and he then he just goes that's what i'm saying it's just like so yeah so insane it's a lot of brute force and and, and someone like that I don't know if David is like this specifically, but mm-hmm. I've met people in my life and they're like these loud diesel engines that just mm. like, they function, but it's like crazy loud. It creates, and you need constant fuel to like yeah. keep that en- engine running. And so the kind of people they are is they consume so much of people's time, not not time, but like, you know, if that's my brother, mm-hmm. if David's my brother, like, I'm constantly worried because, like, you're constantly yeah. doing crazy things and, like, making bold, dramatic, sweeping uh, gestures. Right. Um, instead of just doing, taking small steps to get where you're going, it's yeah. like, I am going to fucking destroy this goal. Um, and it, It's a very, it's like his addiction. He, yeah. And, and if, if, if his goal is to inspire by showing that here's what a human can do with mm-hmm. just your mind, that's awesome. On a personal level, I'm just like, you... I, I, the lesson I've learned there, mm-hmm. especially in Chapter 6, is just like, I do not know you. No. <laughs> I am not you, man. It's no. so insane. 
I think there's like a lot of applicable pieces through the challenges where you can apply to your own life in a much more subdued level. Yeah. But the reading itself is like so extreme. And yeah. this is, that's the craziest part is I'm like, and this is his life. Yeah, it's his life. It's his life. Yeah. And, um, like, even with, like, Marie Kondo, I'm just like, I don't want to throw that away. What I do you mean? I love Marie Kondo. I love throwing you know, stuff away. You know, but, like, that's a very non-challenging way to get right. your life together. It's like, here's a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Where's the joy, you know? Yeah, and even joy? then, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> what do you think you are? Sweet Japanese lady. And then I love her. And then, like, a ultra marathon runner who's, like, ta- duct taping his shins together so the bones don't, like, pop <sighs> out. I'm just like, dude, we are way past, like, Mach 7 here. <laughs> way past relatable. Oh, my that, God. I, I've literally called him the most unrelatable, relatable human. Yeah, sure. Because so much of his internal strife, I think, is relatable. Yeah. His external, much less. Yeah. Um, but a lot of his external after childhood is, is, is by choice, just mm. to just to put it out there however there is something to be said about your your past life where mm-hmm. you didn't have a choice in plays a huge factor in it anyway yeah. the chapters one through six have been um to say the least very intense yeah i i'm curious to see what seven through eleven hold for us yeah and uh what we learn i mean if to to kind of wrap up i mean what what would you say was like your high and low i I am in a place where I'm looking at my life intensely. And I think part Mm -hmm. of that is a communal global thing that's happening because of COVID and the way that we are all sheltering in our homes and sheltering in our minds to like stay sane. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And dealing with massive death and um, and uh, sadness. Right. Right. On a personal level, that's it's multiplied even further by my dad possibly dying very soon mm-hmm. and my mom being you know in her mid 70s and and having to care for them is is making me think of life and where does this string start and where does it where is it going um i'm lucky enough to be in a place where i am doing something i absolutely love and being successful at it i can't even i can't even express how amazing that is you know it's just like it's it's surreal and i feel like if i think about it too hard it'll float away Mm. uh and so a book like david goggins or any of the four books i'm reading right now are a way for me to sort of try and get my brain to to shake my brain a little bit and see where things land where did where do those where the little pieces fall do they always fall in the same place um do does something do something's pop out and i don't even care you know and david David's experience tells me two main things. One, um, uh, the examples in our lives where someone can do a physical feat beyond what is humanly possible is always amazing. And maybe that's someone just like Michael Jordan and the you know the 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 Last Dance documentary on Netflix and the 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 limits of uh, the, the the limits you can push yourself to with your own brain. And David being able to run these marathons for for a, an amazing cause like mm. money helping his brothers in arms, um, that is something that on paper is always easy. You can just show it, and people can be inspired. Right. Um, and the second thing, and that's cool. Like uh, you know, for lack of a better word, that's cool. Mm-hmm. On a second level, um, it's uh, what it has done for me on on a personal level is is shown me that. There's a lot of things I'm not anymore. Mm. 
Mm. I never was, but as a kid, you 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 as you grow up, you realize that uh, there's a, so many doors open, and every year some of them shut. I'm not going to be a fireman anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't be a astronaut anymore. Right? Something's like it will never happen anymore. Right. And at 36, a lot of those doors get shut, and there's just a few left. And not to be morbid, but you know, you just there's things that can't happen anymore. And uh, David David's life shows me that I am absolutely not that kind of a person anymore. Like a person that one is idealistic or is very hopeful. I'm not a hopeful person in in a way anymore. I'm not someone who believes that they can push themselves past what I know anymore because I know my back will get a twinge and I'll be <laughs> on my I'll, I can't sit right for a week or you know like I, there's so many times I, I was reading his exploits and I'm like oh my god my back I would throw my back <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, I threw my back just because I was trying to like you know be funny with one hand the other yeah. night I was like yeah or I forget what I was doing I was just like trying to shove her on the couch and I was like mm. keep PG yeah no it wasn't any of that but I <laughs> pulled my neck you know yeah, and yeah. it still hurts like it's so ridiculous uh uh, so I, I think part of reading David's uh, words is reflecting in a way that's showing me um, all the ways that I'm getting old and mm-hmm. a lot, the way the ways that a lot of doors are closing and uh, seeing my dad in dire straits and stuff yep. and seeing his life narrowing so intensely to like a single lane. His lane is, I just want to live another year. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel very ultra aware of like what doors are still open in my life and where I want to put my energy towards those things and it makes a lot of things not matter anymore you yeah. know and David's words don't necessarily like hammer home exactly with those pillars that are of thought that are going into my brain but they do um, they do help shake my brain up and like see where things sort of land you know mm. and it's it's a lot of feeling like oh man I'm, I'm not young anymore and uh, life is really fucking short uh, and uh, and one thing that's it's not really related, but one thing that my, that's been going on in my mind, and people who have dealt with parents or loved ones with cancer, uh, I think it's something that you think about a lot. And the thought is like, when will I have cancer? Mm. Like you know, and like all this effort I'm doing, I drove to Chicago with my sister's family to like help, maybe you know, maybe it was the last time we'd all be together as family. Like yeah. that was a very real thing, and like. Anyway, I, I just, and then driving home, just thinking like, what if I had cancer right now? You know, like what if it's in the blood and I, I get cancer? It's not it, this particular cancer, but uh, I, I do get cancer. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know, and it makes me want to just do and be as happy as I can <laughs> in a totally selfish way yeah. every single day, you know? And, and so that, that, that does two things. One, it, it forces me to think like, what things am I doing because I really want to do them? What like self selfless things am I doing because I feel like tradition deems it right of me to do? And what things am I doing because like now those morals are mine. Take care mm-hmm. of my dad. Be an older brother. Be a good friend. Um, spend time with my own wife in a way that's you know meaningful. Um, I feel like it's really narrowed a lot of my lanes. It's a tough one to follow up i I mean i I think a lot of what you said is is first i just want to say like i i am listening to you first um as my friend kwan chai and not just as my co-host here and hearing always like your journey and what you're going through i i just always appreciate your honesty and sort of like 
the rawness that you you provide just even as a friend Mm -hmm. right and that you're willing to share this right now but you know what you're saying in terms of you're just trying to be happy right now and that's actually something that i really also resonate with and and agree with Mm -hmm. and i think that's something where you know i'm picking and choosing as well with david goggins book like there's a lot of it where i think with how life is and maybe the things that we've gone through like yes he's had a hard life but no person is alike no person Mm -hmm. can really at the end of the day like there are a lot of universal feelings that we can share but our experiences are unique to ourselves and how they shape us and so i also i I do agree and and um also very much appreciate your journey right now (laughs) and i think you know pertaining to what i'm taking from the book it's yes i i know that suffering is part of growth suffering is inevitable you can run away from forced suffering and meaning like working out even that there's a you know some piece of suffering and working out because you're you're pushing your body but it will come Mm -hmm. if you run away from it it doesn't matter it will come whether that means you eventually get sick or not right yeah and so for me what i've been trying to understand from his book because i I do find it quite unrelatable Mm. is and and he doesn't really touch on his personal life and i think that's what something i'm getting from you right now is happiness what what does make us happy and yes we can push ourselves and you going to chicago is pushing yourself you know and and me even doing this podcast is pushing myself because i as you know i don't necessarily love um being totally like free and open in front of a public yeah sure even though i'm i'm kind of an open book with my friends but not in this way yeah it's an experiment for both of us for sure and um but i think there's something that we're both gaining from this and and even in reading this book i appreciate that this is the conversation that we're having Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to even see how we both kind of like read it differently because we're in different places in our lives Mm -hmm. like what you're going through right now is is very different from you know my experience right now and um anyway before we just talk on and on i just want to say thank you and um i think on that note we didn't want to make this you know super heavy but hopefully everyone who's listening is taking something away from it you know whether you read the book or not suffering is part of life yeah and we can choose the right choices to suffer and these have to be for yourself yeah that is one thing i have learned when you choose to suffer you do it for yourself that means if you're trying to lose weight you better get off your ass and get healthy and do what you got to do to do it right Mm -hmm. or if i mean there's many different things or go to therapy that is that is a level of of hurt because you have to be vulnerable for the first time yeah um so i think that's a big takeaway from this and then from from the rest i guess we'll figure out if we uh like the rest of the book (laughs) (laughs) yeah is there anything else you've uh, read in David's book or anything that you've read on the internet or anywhere else in your life that just kind of st- like jumped out of you in the last since the last time we talked like in the last month or so god it feels like the last month has been lasted an entire year to be yeah. honest yeah. um not necessarily anything that open ended question yeah yeah not necessarily anything I read I would say my relationships with specific people and you kind of touched on it earlier as well has become more impactful in the recent 
quarantine days mm-hmm. or COVID days. Um, specifically, my relationship with you. Yeah. I have a good friend, um, Leandre, as well. And, and just people who I continue to see and talk to and, and Julian and, and Gina, who who is a good friend of ours who just had her second baby. And I think for me, like not reading anything, but just beginning to because you your circle becomes so much smaller during these days right <laughs> yeah, yeah mine was already small <laughs> dude i was like wow this is like this is like a couple I mean, of a handful home. of people yeah <laughs> but my world became significantly smaller yeah and these specific people in my life have become so much more including you right so much more impactful and, and what i'm learning from you and i think most importantly is sitting and listening yeah it, it's just kind of like learning which is ironic because we're talking right now on this podcast but shutting up and, and just being just like listening. Sure. maybe i can't relate mm. and that's okay mm-hmm. and maybe i don't know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. and i should just say that you know yeah. and actually leandre who is a friend of both of ours who we should talk to at some point because he he did go through um training uh, yeah uh, he was in the military that's right yeah um he recently told me he's like People need to know how to say, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me because I think we're always looking for answers and always think we have answers. But I think during quarantine, for me, in a, a broader scope of things, that's something I've learned is, like, yeah. even in your experience, I've learned to just kind of be quiet and be like, I don't know. And I just want to be here as a friend. Mm, yeah. I love when people can say, I don't know. Yeah. Whether it's, like, a question, like, where's the thing? And they're like, I don't know. And they just <laughs> smile at you. I love it. It's great. It's a it's a great it's a great thing to know what you don't know because like as I get older I realize there's most mostly the world is stuff I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's very it's a calming in a way. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. So as old as you get, if we're gonna turn this around real quick, yeah. Um, and if that's okay with you, is as old as we get and as narrow as our, our roads become, we still have so much more. Mm-hmm. Should time be willing. Yeah. Um I mean even in this podcast. I've learned so much from you already. Well, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, gosh. This has been fun. Um, it's been so, long. Yeah, uh, I like it. We're going to go over the next chapters, right? Yeah. So next chapters, for those of you following along, finish the book. We are going from chapters seven to the very end. And we will discuss. Um, you remember to follow us on Instagram, the Book Club Podcast. Oh, yeah. Add your comments. You can DM us if you're not comfortable with yeah, everyone's all your saying. questions, guys. Just email us oh your my questions. God. Just let us know. We'll get to it eventually. There's a lot coming in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? What? The people that are our close friends yeah. who I know have not listened to our <laughs> podcast. And I'll see them and I'll be like, uh, mention something that maybe had something to do with this. Or, you know, yeah. It's not some great adventure it's something yeah. that's on the side you know sure. but you know like even our closest friends aren't <laughs> listening to it i have to like pull their arm to like you know check it out bump our numbers yeah bump our help no- us okay. out no um it's been fun and um i think uh i'm hoping this next half of the book has um new things to reveal yeah. i mean um and and seeing how whatever the words do kind of how they hit me and seeing how they do it yeah cool. i i actually you know i, I remember in episode one when i mentioned that I was in a book club. I do. A club, excuse me. Oh my yep. god. <laughs> regular book club. A regular club. Yeah. Um, for work and and me and and that club were going to discuss the book in its totality. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to kind of gain insight from other humans as well because you and I have a very similar sort of like church upbringing. Otherwise, yeah. not very similar, but in terms of the church church, yeah. church upbringing. Yeah. Oh my god, I cannot talk. Um, 
And maybe that's kind of where we're both a little bit kind of pushed back a sure, little bit. Sure, yeah. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to do any of I've that. I've already done this. I'm going to eat all this food. <laughs> I've already I'm going to stay in this van. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry every night. I don't want to wake up right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into it later, guys. Um, so I, I'm curious to kind of get others' insight and, yeah. and what they see. Um, because I think there is a lot of inspiration to be pulled, but I think it's also been a lot for us to kind of dredge up. Yeah, for sure. It's been yeah. It's it's, it's it'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, all right, so guys. Yeah, we will catch you at next episode. Catch you next episode. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Take care.